every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. An extremely important day in America. I'm not talking about Washington, D.C. I'm talking about the day after Mel Kuyper Jr.'s first mock draft of the year and the day when Todd McShay gets to take his first whack at Mel and frankly tell all of America where Mel has gone wrong. And uh, I don't know. I see, I see maybe multiple opportunities here, Todd. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> He's already heating it up, Todd. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to see two quarterbacks in the top ten. Although, when it's all said and done, that's the problem. When it's all said and done, I, it could very easily happen. Yeah, well, that's what we're so trying to. That's, that's the exercise here, Todd. Is trying to have foresight and figure out what it's going to look like in late April. I, yeah, mock. You understand that concept, Mr. Uh, McShay? Have you have you spoken to anyone? Forget our opinions. Have you spoken <laughs> right. to anyone that has Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson in their? T- I know there's b- boards aren't close to being set, but anyone who said, you know, we we really believe this guy's a top ten pick. Um, yeah, I have. You have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I have their number? <laughs> I'd like to confirm it. We have a great debate here, <laughs> but no, I think you know, we've seen quarterbacks every year, Todd. Do we have Christian Ponder, you know, Jake Locker, E.J. Manuel? A lot of quarterbacks get forced up, and a lot of them have been really good that some people think got forced up. It turned out to be franchise quarterbacks, so it didn't work well that way. So you're not always correct on all this stuff, but uh, I think by the time we get to late April, definitely Mitch Trubisky is going to be in there. And I think, you know, based on what happened, he's not going to the senior bowl. He's going to let it ride from that national championship game. Probably a smart move. For Deshaun Watson, hey, you saw me beat Alabama. Basically, I whipped them for my. I whipped their defense for the second straight year. Beat them on the scoreboard for the first year, but uh, put up forty last year. You know, put up with thirty-five this year, and uh, and he feels like, hey, I can I can let it ride and become a top ten pick. And I think based on where teams are, Todd, right now, I mean, if, unless you're going to make a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or bring in a Mike Lennon, okay, or an AJ McCarron or a Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, possibly. We'll see what Buffalo's future is with Tyrod Taylor, his future with the Bills is. What are you going to do, Todd? How are you going to get better? Tony Romo. Draft good good football players? Yeah, and Romo's view. We'll have to see about what happens with Tony Romo, whether he ends up in Chicago or New York or wherever. So that's obviously going to fill a need there. But the the teams that I think, you know, San Francisco with a new coach, uh, you know, if it's Kyle Shanahan, it would be nice to bring Mitch Trubisky there. What does Cleveland do at 1-12? and 12? If Watson were there at 12, are they going to move forward with Cody Kessler and RG3? Uh, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. But my thing is, where are you going to find these quarterbacks? Are they going to catch lightning in a bottle in the late fourth round and find another Dak Prescott? You know, that's not going to happen because, you know, Tom Brady caught, they caught lightning in a bottle with him. We, every year we said, who's the next Brady? Never found them. Who's going to be the next Prescott? Probably will never find them. So, Mel... And, Todd, let's run through this real quick. I won't go through all 32, but kind of like we did with Todd's a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Let's run through the top ten really quickly and uh, just point out um, some interesting things, maybe some guys that have moved up uh, up and down a little bit since Todd did this a month ago. Obviously, Cleveland at one. Mel has him going with Miles Garrett, kind of a best player available type situation there. Obviously, the question will be, as it is at one and two and three, Browns, Niners, Bears, who's, is, is a quarterback in play. 
At, at, at number two, Mel has the Niners taking Mitch Trubisky. Three, the Bears take Jonathan Allen. Four, the Jacksonville Jags take Jamal Adams. Safety, do-it-all, kind of a star that a lot of people are going to become familiar with. Tennessee at number five, you get your first big wide receiver, Mike Williams out of Clemson. Marshawn Lattimore, number six, he's the corner out of Ohio State to the Jets. Obviously a need there. And, you know, again, Urban Meyer sending a bunch of pros out of his secondary for the second straight year. Remarkable. Seven, the Los Angeles Chargers. Mel even did that right. Cam Robinson, the tackle out of Bama. Eight, the Panthers, Leonard Fournette, obviously a talker there. And then 9 and 10, Solomon Thomas to the Bengals. Defensive end out of Stanford, had a huge bowl game. And then Deshaun Watson, number 10. Wow, really. Cam Robinson, big before we get game. to the quarterback, yeah. we get back to the quarterback. Cam Robinson's rich, man. That I agree. Rich. I agree, Todd. I, I, there's no doubt. I, I don't, put him up I there think I don't have him that high. It's real rich. I mean, I had him up. You got to give an offensive tackle at some point. They're not going to. I don't think an offensive tackle is going to come off the board for the first time in around 20 or 15. I think there's an offensive tackle is going to get up there. Andre Smith went up there, a pretty high. Robinson's very comparable. Uh, I have Robinson down the line. I agree. It would be a major reach at that point. based on where I have him on the big board. You know, take a guy at at seven when he's at 12, 15 on the big board. But in this case, I forced an offensive tackle. I wasn't going to force Garrett Bowles up there from Utah. I wasn't going to force Ryan Ramchek up there from Wisconsin. And after that, Todd, find me another offensive tackle worthy of the first round. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's tough, it's and tough. that's the thing. You got, you're got. you telling me there's no offensive tackle going in the top 10 to 12? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I, yeah, I think. I don't. Why not? Yeah, but I, I put there. one there for that reason. Now, Robinson, we'll see how it adjusts between that. That was the one I felt – as, as you go, go by my ratings. That's the one I felt the worst about, but I did it right. for that reason. But, no, I agree with I can't disagree with you on that. That was a reach for the Chargers. We'll see. If, if the philosophy's wrong, then no offensive tackle goes, and fine. But uh, I could drop him. But I, look, over the, look over the top ten, Todd. Where do you have the biggest problem? Probably, I don't know. I, I'm Probably Robinson in terms of a value. Deshaun Watson, I just, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Seeing a first-round quarterback there, and you said and I, I, there's no way you see Trubisky going that high. I, I shouldn't say there's no way. I, nothing will surprise me with quarterbacks. I just think that's really rich. I, I mean, I like. I, I don't want to be the guy sitting here saying, "Oh, Mitch Trubisky's terrible. He can't be a good pro." I think he can be. Hashtag Todd hates Trubisky. Right. Here's what. He, here's the thing. I mean, I was just watching more tape yesterday. I was watching the Stanford game. I hadn't gotten to watch it, and I'm trying to. Oh God, you will drop him to the fourth round here for that game. Well, <laughs> yes and no. He did some good things. And, yeah, and I didn't finish it over, went, over a 90 play game, Todd. I mean, but yeah, you saw the careless fumble. You and the saw pressure. The I mean, their offensive the line was was throws. a disaster. Right. So Solomon Thomas, Thomas made a lot of money in that game. Um, but I look at it this way. I see a guy who's inconsistent with his accuracy, but definitely has it. I mean, he can be there. I like his mobility. I think he has good pocket presence. He can extend plays. He's got that, you know, adequate size. He's got, there's really no major negative outside of 13 starts. And we all buried Mark Sanchez for coming out with 16 and 13, and I know we've talked about it. And what happened down the stretch? I mean, Georgia's not a good defense. They lost to Georgia. He, he didn't have a great game early in the season. Then they beat up on Illinois, James Madison, a terrible Pittsburgh defense. Florida State was probably the most impressive game. He completed almost 82% of his throws, three touchdowns, no interceptions. 
against a Florida State defense that was reeling and had a lot of problems in terms of injuries in the secondary and hadn't figured out personnel. And that team got a lot better down the stretch, but still, it was a good, good performance. Then Virginia Tech, he competes, completes 39%. That's a good defense. Miami just okay on the defensive side. Virginia, not really good. Georgia Tech, he 62%, solid day. Then they lose three of their last four games with the only win coming against Citadel. And he's completing, you know, he had a solid game against Duke, but the two interceptions, two interceptions against Stanford. So four of his six interceptions come in those last four games. And they go one and three. So now we're drafting a quarterback who really had one really good performance, one performance against Florida State that you, you love. And the rest were good games, but I don't know. I just don't – I haven't seen enough to feel great about pulling the trigger. Not. I, I don't feel anywhere near as good as I did a year ago with Carson Wentz. Let's put it that way. In terms of just a guy rising. In terms of just like what where what I see on tape, and and what I think he can become, I think he can become a good quarterback. I just think I don't know. I I just don't have him in that same level. Certainly not. I mean, not even close to like Matt Ryan's, Andrew Lux, those guys coming out. Is there? Let's just let's let's go from the top here. Just I'll just ask a few questions here. At number one, Todd, can you see a scenario? Going to you just because of the way you're describing what you're seeing in Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, last year the Cleveland Browns decided we'd rather have the picks, which turned out to be the number 12 pick this year, and even more than that, than Carson Wentz. They moved down again this year. Cody Kessler actually flashed, but there's injury issues. Right now they have 19 quarterbacks, so they don't have one. Usually when you have two, you don't have one. Can you see a situation where Cleveland – just says ah, we got to do it, or, or is this actually a good scenario for them where Trubisky and Watson and others just won't be rated high enough where they can really justify that? Are they safe from having to make that move? I don't know what they're going to do. I'm still trying to figure out kind of the the method behind the madness, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you study, I mean, part of their quote-unquote analytics and, and all of that is just studying trends and studying what has worked. And if you go back and study, Mel, you know better than I, but the history of bringing in free agent quarterbacks is is not good. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of good examples of guys who have been brought in from a different situation and and have come and succeeded and, and won Super Bowls and, and have sustained success, maybe a year here and there. So, um, so I wonder if that organization, based on the model of, analytics and studying trends and, and historical data will give away picks or do, you know, make that kind of move in free agency to give away picks to go get a veteran quarterback like a Jimmy Garoppolo, even though I think that the, the team that goes out and gets Garoppolo, in my opinion, is in a much better situation moving forward than the team that sits home and takes a Mitch Trubisky or a Deshaun Kaiser or a Deshaun Watson. Just my opinion. Mel, what do you think? And if, if say, Cleveland doesn't take – uh, a quarterback at one, as uh, your friend Todd is suggesting, uh, would you would you go get a Garoppolo with that thirty third pick, or even with that twelfth pick? 
Yeah, I think they boxed themselves into a corner by not taking Wentz last year. So once you made that decision, you got to look forward to the next draft and the draft after that or feel like we have a quarterback, a veteran, that we won't even have to worry about drafting another rookie or they like Kessler enough to feel like we can move forward with him. Either way, once you pass on Wentz, you do put yourself in a position where if that fails, uh, you're in, you're back to the drawing board. And I, I don't know how they feel about Mitch Trubisky. He's a local kid from Mentor, Ohio. His dream was, lifelong dream since a kid, was to be the star quarterback with the Cleveland Browns. Okay, they went that route with Brady Quinn. It didn't work. Needs but better it, dreams, man. Uh, yeah, exactly. But that was his dream to be a Cleveland Browns starting yeah, quarterback from that area, the local product, Scott. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and you know, I look at, at Cleveland and they say, okay, you're in a division with Roethlisberger, Dalton, and Flacco. We say it every year. We said it last year. Exactly why you would take Wentz. You're in a division with those guys. you got to play in cold weather. You need a big, strong guy. And they had it with Wentz. Um, Trubisky's a big, strong guy. He's going to keep getting bigger. He, he would fit that mold. But if you get Miles Garrett to put pressure on those three quarterbacks in the division you have to beat, then you have the 12th pick. You have a variety of options there. If you do make the deal for Garoppolo, then that puts you ahead of the curve. Now, all of a sudden, you have your quarterback. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, let Kessler be the backup if you want. And then you're moving along, and you've upgraded the position significantly. Uh, yeah, Chicago, I didn't give them a quarterback because they're, I think, going to have to win this year with John Fox. And they need a Tony Romo. They need a Garoppolo. They need somebody to come right in and be the guy right away. San Francisco, I thought, was ideal for Trubisky, Todd, because of Kyle Shanahan. And that system, which Trubisky fits, and also the fact that if you're a new coach, you got time and time to develop Trubisky. I don't know if you want to redshirt him and let him sit, watch, and learn. I don't know what Shanahan's philosophy on that will be, but he's in a great spot to draft Mitch Trubisky. What are you going to get? Look at the quarterbacks coming out next year and the year after. College football is not producing big time quarterbacks at a high rate. So you can say all we want about, well, his grade is this. Bottom line is, I got him at 16, Trubisky, Todd. Where is he on your big board? I've got him in 28. All right, you don't hate him. Barely. Yeah, you don't hate him. No, I don't hate him. That's my first round grade. I don't hate him. He's got a first round grade. So if you're picking at 31. Second round grade, but but I hear your point. Well, Todd just knocked him down because he said his dream was to play for Cleveland, so he doesn't think he's a champion. All right, you got a second. I don't have thirty-two players with with first round grades. All right, all right, but he's second round grade, so okay. Dak Prescott was a late fourth round pick. The Tom Brady was a sixth. You still like a guy? You got him in the first twenty-eighth pick in the draft, or twenty-eighth best player, and you got him with an early second round grade or whatever you have. So you know, to me, you still like him. So what's the difference if you're picking seventeen, eighteen? You're picking two. If you need a quarterback, you don't hate the guy. So you know, it's not like you have a fifth round grade on him. So to me, I think San Francisco, just to, just to end this discussion on the quarterbacks, I think San Francisco would be an ideal spot if they want to reach a little bit and get a quarterback who fits them. And let's face it, if he would have gone back to North Carolina, he's the hands-down number one pick next year overall. So, what is, what is, uh, what's Garoppolo cost? Debatable. Uh, they keep saying, oh, you know, what, or is it going to be a one and a four? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be the 12th pick? Do you have to, if you're a Cleveland, if you wanted to make that move, would you have to give up that pick? I uh, have him priced out here, Mel. I have him priced got? out. I think, he's, I think he's that late first or uh, first, maybe that maybe that 33 pick and then something like conditional. Yeah, okay. So um, that, to me, know, that's all you have to give up. Well, Bradford was what? And Bradford was an was emergency a deal. That was a one and a four, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they're but trying I, I, to get that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they're going to deal with him either. That's the other thing. No, no. It, I really it, don't. The one thing we need to remember about Garoppolo is he's still under control for another year. At, yep. You know, at a second round, at a second round rate. So you know, nothing basically against the cap. So he, they can, they can sit out there. They can hold 
her, you know, Cleveland's 12th, um, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's early second round pick, you know, or multiple picks. And yeah, I mean, they, they, example, they don't that's... have to they don't have to make a move. It would give gives them a ton of leverage. Mel, I want to ask you one other thing, and Todd can obviously chime in. You both have him rated really high. Reminds us, again, a little bit of last year where the bottom line is, regardless of how you rate running backs, Ezekiel Elliott was going to go high enough just because at certain point you just take the best football player. Leonard Fournette in this mock goes at number eight overall. And, again, at a certain point you're just taking the best football player if you're sticking to that system. That's that's actually maybe beyond where um, you guys have him rated. You guys have him rated two or three. So in that sense, does he actually become a value in your mind, Mel? Even though, you know, you can't stand that pick, and we could sit here all day and say, well, Jordan Howard would have put up the same totals as Zeke. But bottom line, is that a value for Leonard Fournette, or do you kind of cringe when you put him there? I cringe when I put any running back in the first round. I, I just do. I mean, I just look at the 12 teams in the playoffs, and 11 of them didn't have a first-round running back out there helping them get to the playoffs. Only one did, and that was Zeke. And they didn't get to the Final Four. In the Final Four teams, you got an undrafted free agent, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick in Atlanta, a converted third-round wide receiver in Green Bay, okay? And you have New England, like I say, an undrafted free agent. you got a second-round pick in Pittsburgh and Le'Veon Bell. So I don't take a running back. And, I, you know, and you know, Fournette, is he going to go? Yeah, I have him to Carolina. I got Dalvin Cook from Florida State to Cleveland. And then I have the third running back coming off the board, who I really like because I think he can wear so many hats, is Christian McCaffrey going to Green Bay at 29. Deontay Foreman I kicked into this early second round, so I got him out of the first. He could be a late one. But I think uh, McCaffrey would be the guy that would be, I think, the one that will produce big-time results because he can catch, he can run, he can block, he can return. Cooks the, the Jamal Charles type, in my opinion. Fournette, the, the Adrian Peterson, uh, you know, uh, comparisons may be a little exaggerated. Last time I checked, Adrian Peterson hasn't been to a Super Bowl either. Um, I look at the th- four running backs that have gone in the first round over the last four years, with Zeke being the guy, you know, MG3, they were one of the bottom-end teams this year. Okay, Todd Gurley with the Rams, bottom-end team. Mark Ingram, New Orleans. Yeah, you know, they're picking where? New Orleans is picking at 11. So, uh, you know, to me, no, I would not. I said it all along, unless it's a, a player who's worthy of being there. Zeke was worried of being there. If your coordinator wants him, your head coach wants him, fine. If somebody wants Leonard Fournette that desperately, Todd, and you're a GM, you say, I don't think there's going to be that type of feeling about Fournette that there, there was come draft day for Zeke Elliott. You know, I was just looking at it. Five, the, of the, my top ten players, seven are in your top ten in this mock draft. All of the top five guys, Miles Garrett, Jonathan Allen, Leonard Fournette, Jamal Adams, Solomon Thomas. The three guys that are in my top ten that are not in your top ten of the mock draft are a safety, a running back, and an inside linebacker. So it makes sense. It's not a high-value position. Lee Cooker from Ohio State's my sixth player overall. Dalvin Cook, the Florida State running back, is at seven. And I've got uh, Reuben Foster at number nine, the Alabama inside linebacker. But what's interesting is – and. You know, it's early. A lot's going to change. We're going to find out a lot about heights and weights and medical and character and all that stuff over the next few months. And in addition to just watching a lot more tape, too. But Cam Robinson, you've got it seven. I've got him at 26. Mitch Trubisky, you've got going number two. I've got him at 28. And then Deshaun Watson, I have is the 53rd overall player in the draft, and you've got him going at 10. So three guys between 26 and 53, they wind up going in your top 10. So be interesting. 
Let's run through uh, just some other names here real quick, just so if people aren't too familiar with Mel's mock, I can't imagine who that would be. Saints at 11 take Reuben Foster. Love him. Alabama linebacker. Mel mentioned it. The Browns with that second first-round pick at 12 take Dalvin Cook. Mel's going to compare him to Jamal Charles the next five years until he becomes Jamal Charles. Arizona, 13, takes Tease Tabor, one of two Florida corners coming off quickly. Philadelphia at 14. That pick they got from the Vikings for Bradford is Quincy Wilson, so two straight Florida corners. Number 15, Indianapolis Colts, Takaris McKinley, a pass rusher out of UCLA. Amazing story. A lot of people don't know who this kid is, but you'll hear a lot more. Jabril Peppers, another guy that Todd hates, at 16 there to the Ravens. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of buzz about Peppers is a top five. I think this is probably a little bit more reflective of what people are actually saying. Malik Hooker, uh, another early departure out of Ohio State, getting the Ed Reed comps. Washington Redskins at 17, Tennessee Titans at 18, Marlon Humphrey, Bobby Humphrey's son, the corner out of Bama, then Taco Charlton, defensive end out of Michigan, goes to the Bucks, and Garrett Bowles. Am I saying that right? Uh-huh. Out of uh, Utah, the tackle to Denver. He's athletic. The Denver at 20. He's one of the new names. Mel, I'm seeing a big run on the secondary here. Um, I think you mentioned it yesterday on SportsCenter. This is like one of those draft classes (laughs) between the quarterbacks that we don't know about and all these great defensive players at every level. This is like uh, the class that brings scoring down a point or two next year, don't you think? I think everybody's loving the fact, Todd, that I'm talking about Trubisky and Watson and to where they are because it brings some energy to this process. Without that, what do you have? You got a bunch of defensive players and a couple running backs, you know, and all that. No, I mean, I, listen, no, I didn't want to say it early, but I, we all know what you put two quarterbacks in your top ten, including the one guy who just won the national championship. You're an attention whore. He's pumping pumping the draft process. Absolute attention, Uh, whore. Oh, jeez, here we go. All right, 21 (laughs) defensive players, Todd. 21 defensive players in that first round, only 11 offensive players. Six defensive linemen, five linebackers, some of which can't put their hand on the ground. Six corners, four safety. So if you're a fantasy league player, and I said this yesterday, you're going to hate this draft. Two, three years down the road, this draft will impact scoring. It'll impact scoring right away. So I think if points are down a little bit in the NFL over the next year or so, point to this draft. There's some really good defensive players players and as i said offensive tackle oh, last year last year's was loaded too on defense yeah, it was that's why i say fantasy league players are going to look back and say wow the only thing i'll say is we haven't had really well we've had a couple good classes of running backs but this year's class is loaded at running back and tight ends i think this tight end class i, I started watching tape just the other day on joku from david joku the miami tight end dude can play oj howard from alabama jake butt Coming off the injury from Michigan, he's a pass catcher. Um, the Virginia Tech kid as well. I mean, Bucky Hodges. We've got a lot of good tight ends in this class. A couple good receivers. I think it's a deep class of third, fourth round, and good running backs. But but you're right. It's defensive front. Well, actually, the whole defense is just loaded. Yeah, and I'll give you just a couple other names that just get your take on. Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech, I think will be a hot property come late April. Uh, is a guy that I think gets some early round consideration, maybe late one. You can tell me what you think about that. Then I'll go to wide receivers. I like Carlos Henderson, underclassman, coming out early from Louisiana Tech. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you're going to look at uh, you know, Cole Hickettini, Louisville tight end. I think he's going to get some favorable commentary. Antonio Garcia, tackle from Troy, is another one uh, on the offensive side. What do you think of those guys, Todd? 
Uh, Hikatini is really intriguing to me, and I think it kind of continues the whole narrative on on the uh, the tight ends and, and guys that can come in and, and just contribute. And I, th- I think um, I, the the guy from South Alabama, the tight Gerald end. Everett. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you, Gerald Everett. I'm really excited to see him at the Senior Bowl because a little bit of tape I've been able to watch him. This season I watched him last year. I think he's a guy who's really rising and has a chance to, uh, I'm not saying by any stretch first round or top 50, but could wind up maybe in, late in day two, early day three, and, and be a guy that contributes and is a surprise in this class. Mahomes, I'm going to... Uh, I'm just going to back off and not say anything yet because I have not watched enough to form an opinion that I feel confident in, but I get it. He's big. He's tools, mobile. He's tools, got a tools. Yep. Yeah, he's toolsy, but he also comes from a system that's never worked. Hal Mummy, Mike Leach, uh, Art Bryles, Sonny Dykes, they're all from that air raid offensive system, some you know, shape, fashion, form, and they're still not a guy. There's not one guy. So it's, it's concerning. There's no one that's had sustained success from that system ever in the history of the National Football League. And so, you, and last year, Jared Goff was the highest rated quarterback to come out of that kind of system since, since um, going back to RG3. 99. Uh, yeah, yeah, RG3. Yep, and Coach was, Coach was the other one. So you, told, you know, Couch was the first overall pick in 1999, right, Mo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm still in college, so I'm I'm a little, <laughs> a little uh, foggy back then. But so my point is, that's always going to be lingering with him. But here's the thing, too, just philosophically, and I'm not going to bore people, but the fact that we haven't, and I understand the reasons. And college football is the the developing ground, the developmental league for the NFL, and the NFL is trying not to mess up that relationship and keep everything. You know, hunky dory and, and not interfere, even though 90 something, 90 plus underclassmen are coming out again this year. And 30 some of them probably won't even be drafted, and 50 plus of them could be out of the league by, by the end of training camp. But my point is why we still are at a point where if an underclassman decides by January 16th, the declaration day, that I'm coming out, I'm declaring, it's over, I've hired an agent, I can't go back to school, why in the world? Why the hell can they not, at this point, play in an all-star game? You think Mahomes, like, Mahomes could benefit so much from that, and NFL teams yeah. could benefit significantly from seeing him in a pro-style system, from talking to the coaching staff that has him, uh, whether it's the Bears or the Browns in the, at the Senior Bowl. And, and how was he? Did he pick things up? Did he, was he able to you know, regurgitate when you would, when went through your installs and so on and so forth? So it just, it just drives me crazy that we're at a point still where we can't figure out a, a way to get some of these underclassmen that could really benefit from it into an all-star game like the East-West Shrine, Senior Bowl, NFLPA, whichever. I tried, Todd, back in the Hula Bowl days when I was you know, picking players way, way back in the mid-'90s, and a lot yep. of those kids, when I spoke to them, said, I'm going to be a first- or second-round pick. No, I don't need to come out. I don't, I don't need to go to an all-star game. And guess what? Some of those kids went in the fourth round, fifth round. So yeah, right. they all, though, think they're going higher. Deshaun Watson could have gone to the Senior Bowl. He's not. So, you know, this, yeah, he doesn't you know, need to, though. 
But well, I, I get yeah, it. but he had the option, and he's not going. And you could say, okay, mm-hmm. I agree. The Senior Bowl is the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl is a brand. They could still have underclass. It's like the Big Ten's a brand. They're not the Big Ten, yeah. okay? Exactly. So the Senior Bowl. I, even agree. Have, I I agree wholeheartedly. I think they should have that option, Todd. Why they don't is beyond me. But I would say this: even with the option, a lot of those underclassmen would opt not to play in an All Star game. You know what's really annoying about this? And I've talked to oh, I've talked to a lot of people about this. I think we should just call it the McShea Bowl. Brand the brand the heck out of that, uh, you know. Sure. Put some Under Armour Nike money on there, or maybe like a McShay Jordan logo. But uh, we should. But the the other thing about that that really drives me crazy, Todd, and you know this when you're out talking to these kids is a lot of these juniors that are entering the NFL quote unquote early have graduated. People just don't realize this about college football players. A lot of them are early enrollees. So by the time that yeah. you know, by the time those 18, guys can they have and, and, they have fifteen credits. I mean, there's guys that are working on their master's degrees. Uh, by the time they can't, they can play in all star games. But I they can't say, play in an all star game. Yep. No, they can. They can now. Oh, okay. Yeah, they can. Yeah, the, yeah they can. The that just changed a couple years ago. Guys, yeah. But again, yeah, Phil, but again, that just cuts down on seniors. You really want to see one thing, Phil uh, Savage, who runs the Senior Bowl, likes to do is he likes to get kids in there. I mean, this is a huge opportunity for kids. Like, you know, a Carson Wentz. Totally changed when, you know, his perception when you can get yeah, around Chris, those other but I'll kids. argue that point. I mean, Russell Wilson was down there, Todd. It didn't help him. He was a third-round pick. Last year, Prescott was down there. He was a late fourth-round pick. So this notion, it automatically gives you this big bump up. Wentz had a high grade going in. It didn't really matter to him. But the guys like that, it didn't bump him up at all. And and we know all that. I mean, high school, Todd, uh, and, and Chris, you know that. A freshman comes in to high school. He's already, you know, been held back in the first grade or kindergarten, okay? Then they redshirt in the eighth grade. They, they reclassify. So you got kids driving coming in freshman to high school now so I get the point about they're already graduated from college and all that but can you convince an underclassman because all these kids you tell them what they want to hear you don't tell them reality that's the always the attitude that a lot of these people have that are in the ear of these kids tell the kids tell the parents what they want to hear okay because they all want to hear first round second round they don't want to hear fourth fifth round Todd okay so that's why the problem exists they all believe they're going in the top 50 to 60 guaranteed, and they don't need an all-star game, when in reality they do, they don't think that's the case. Still, no done. Joku, and I'm going through your mock draft now for the first time. I've, okay. I've read the top ten before. And Joku was, in, I said, in the discussion for New England. I almost okay. gave him to New England. I gave O.J. Howard. I couldn't find a spot. I think he could be like Eric Ebron and go high. I love Njoku. He did it late, late in the year. He was unbelievable. But I either gave O.J. Howard to New England or Njoku. I want to see how Njoku tests. He should test remarkably well. If he does, he's a first-round pick. But I got Mach 2 coming out, and then Mach 3, I'll wait. But I mentioned in the write-up Njoku was in the discussion for New England. Cool. And he's the highest guy that was not on, in your first round. Yeah, and he could have been I've very easily. I mean, we saw also him dominate in the later portion of the season with Kaya and what Miami was able to do. But, uh, you know, you look at, you know, right now I want to wait on a couple of these guys. Like I said, the Henderson kid out of Louisiana Tech, Carlos Henderson. I want to see how he tests because I tell you, watch the tape of that kid. you got to be impressed. A few more just names uh, late here, and then we're going to get to some mail. In the uh, in the twenties here, a few names that really stick out to me. Interesting, obviously Tim Williams, a guy like that with that explosiveness. This is the pass rusher out of Bama, going to Detroit at twenty one. He feels like you know that that's a chance to be a really high ceiling type. Um, Malik, yeah, Mc- and, and potentially a low floor. Yeah, it, it definitely high variance. Guy, a lot of, if you a lot of baggage. I, I think his grade is. And he's somewhere, at, in my opinion, Mel. You can argue this mm-hmm. if you want he's somewhere in the 20 to 35 range in terms of 
talent and what's on tape. But, I mean, if he drops a third round, it will not shock me because there's there's just a lot of stuff to sort through. And I think the 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 background checks, the investigating, all the hard work that the scouts do on a guy for 15 months like they have on, on Tim Williams will, will play a big factor in where teams ultimately wind up putting them on their board. Yeah, I dropped him to 21 uh, you know, from where he was, and he may well be down a little further. But pass rushers have dropped in this draft over drafts in previous years, and we've seen yeah. that. That's been things. You can find pa- – people think you can't. You can. Look at the elite pass rushers in the NFL, and, and they didn't all go in the first round. Okay, so that's a position where you can find guys at various stages of the draft that would kind of shock you when you see their production in the NFL as opposed to where they went. Yeah, there's a few of them here. Just a couple more names. People are going to obviously go through the mock, but, you know, Buda Baker, the safety out of Washington, another team like Ohio State, just seeing their basically their entire secondary head to the NFL. Buda Baker's one of my favorite players in the draft on just on when you watch him. And you, you got to love yeah, what yeah. you get with him. I mean, that kid's going to be a first Always around pick. the ball. Yeah, I got him to Houston at 25 right now. Corey Davis, wide receiver out of Western. Really Todd's like guy. Him. Really Mel- like him. Todd's guy. I told <laughs> Todd about Corey Davis months ago. He told me I was crazy. Okay, here we go. And McShane uh, knows that, too. Uh, that's why I'm just laughing and not responding. He knows that. I'm messing with you, dudes. Uh, Come on. All right, Christian yeah, yeah. McCaffrey, obviously a big name. I've got him up at 21 now after watching more of him. He, what a bowl game he had, man. Corey Davis. Yeah. And then uh, Against Wisconsin. Finally played a defense and, and performed well. A couple others. Derek Barnett. <laughs> Derek Barnett down at 31 is going to be really interesting. I think this is another guy that could get a lot higher. I mean, there's been a lot of production there. But again, there's he's a lot of pass rushers, he, and you he's, just don't he's know. He's not going to he's not going to win any of the pre-draft process. Let's put it that way. He's he's uh, you know he's kind of a sawed-off guy a little. Bit. I bet you he's closer, like six-two at best. He's listed at six-three, two sixty-five. What does he run? Is he he's got some tightness? He wins a lot with power and and good technique, and you know, so uh, sometimes those guys are just. They can rush. They know how to rush a half a man. They're great with their hands, and, and they, they figure it out at the next level. Sometimes those guys get into the league, and they, they just don't have it physically. But the production that he has put up over the last couple of years is absolutely remarkable. And um, I, I, I'll be surprised if he's not somewhere in the first round, but I, there's a lot of differing opinions on, on Barnett. Basically, off of do you, how much do you value production and what you see on tape versus – the height, weight, speed, and, and the athleticism and, and all the testing that you go through. And then the last pick of the first round, New England, get another tight end, O.J. Howard, who, for frankly, based on what he was coming in and what he is when he gets the ball in his hands, a bit of an enigma at Alabama. But, again, there was a lot of quarterback questions during that time, uh, you know, rolling people in. They uh, really I think were, he really matured a lot. And, and I think coming, his career. I'll say this too. I think coming back actually did help him. I mean, there were, he had the huge bowl game, uh, the title game last year, where Clemson kind of forgot to cover him. He decided to come back, and again, now we're talking about him. As eighty-three catches. Yeah, eighty-three catches in a a run-heavy offense the last two years. This year, forty-five catches, and averaged thirteen yards per catch, and and did some things after. You know, after the catch and, and show the athleticism, I, I think he's worth the pick. I mean, in offense, again, there were three guys with 40-plus catches, and then no one else, the next, the fourth leading receiver had 15 catches on that team. So it was Stewart, Ridley, and Howard. And um, I, thought he, I thought he played really well this year. 
Well, if you haven't seen it, make sure you log on ESPN.com or tweet at Mel Kuyper ESPN your displeasure. Obviously, it's his first mock and it's worthy of plenty of scrutiny. After a quick break, we will uh, hit the mail. But first, a word from Blue Apron. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. I got signed up for Blue Apron, and the experience has been great. Let me tell you, the meals are delicious, and it's been surprisingly fun to make the food with my family. For less than 10 bucks per person, per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients, and these can be prepared in about 40 minutes or less. Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook, or they'll make it right. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. That's three free meals with free shipping, best of all, by going to blueapron.com slash first draft. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash first draft. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, here we go. Tyler Ward at Tyler32Ward. Mel, you can take this since Corey Davis is your boy. How big is the gap between Mike Williams from Clemson and Corey Davis from Western? Well, I think it's a gap. Uh, How much? Uh, Right now, you'd probably say, if you look at where they're ranked and rated, uh, significant. Uh, I think that'll change, though, with Corey Davis as we move through the process. Uh, I think Williams is a top-ten pick, pretty much guaranteed. Uh, You could have given him the the Tennessee, could have given him the Jets at six, you know, the Chargers at seven. You can go right on down the line. He's going in the top ten. I think Todd would agree with that. I think think when you get to late April, Corey Davis, I got into Kansas City. At some point, the Chiefs got to adjust wide receiver. Watch this team, and you have Tyreek Hill, who's a weapon, but he's not a, a wide receiver per se. He's an all-around guy. And he got t- Kelsey to the tight end. Who else do you have? They have passed on wide receiver, seems like, all the time. Conley's okay. They got him in the, in the fourth round. But I think in the first round, this is a time to really go after the wide receiver. And Corey Davis is a true wideout. I thought about John Ross there, but you got a John Ross and Hill. You got the versatile guy. You got the return man. You got the speed guy. Uh, Ross had the ACL two years ago. So I, th- I thought about Ross in the first round to Kansas City, but opted for Davis because I think he fits what they need more. Todd, I can't even yes, pronounce sir. this guy's name, at Tazust. Yeah. David Njoku is how close to O.J. Howard for being the number one tight end? I think it's really close. I think it's really close. I, I And I'm I'm only three games in. My guy Kevin Weidel was watching the other day and was like, dude, you got to watch him. And I, so I popped him on. And kind of newsreeled three games just to get a good feel for him. And, and there's a lot to be intrigued by. Athletic has the frame. Want to see the measurables because we don't know as an underclassman. Don't know anything about his character, work ethic, and all those things. But let's say everything checks out and he checks off all those boxes that you look for. I think, I think it's neck and neck, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I thought New England, if he gets that far, and I don't know. I mean, somebody's going to emerge as a team that could use I think both those guys are first-round draft picks. I will be surprised if we get through the first night of the draft, and Njoku and Howard are not off the board. 
Yeah, the one that's dropped a little bit, uh, you thought maybe in mid-October uh, could be in the first round, was Bucky Hodges. I didn't see Bucky Hodges show that want to take over a game and, and maximize that ability on a regular yeah. basis. And it shocked me that Davis, the quarterback, is coming out. But I think when you look at, at a guy like uh, Bucky Hodges, I would say somewhat of an underachiever based on the physical and athletic talent. Mel, this is perfect for you mm-hmm. as the uh, GM of the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Zach Orr, or excuse me, Michael Scheinolt at Tag About mm-hmm. Nothing asked Mel Kuyper, Zach Orr just retired. Does Baltimore jump up for Foster? Maybe next you to Mosley? You know, Foster is an interesting guy. I, I love him. I've, I've loved him all year. I told you he was one of my favorite players back in September, October. I have him four on the board. Todd, where do you have Foster on your board? I have Foster at number nine. Number nine. I got him at four. Uh, yeah, I think at 11 he's a great pick. I just couldn't find a team that was going to you know, jump at him earlier than, than New Orleans at 11. Uh, in terms of the Ravens, that's secondary. The Ravens have a lot of needs. And it's, it's, you talk about the secondary. If Bronson Kafusi comes back from the injury, they drafted him early. Uh, if, if Kamale Correa ever emerges, they got some young guys in the mix there. I just think the secondary has to be improved, whether it be a cornerback, uh, whether it be a safety. Uh, they got to get help in the defensive secondary, and they got to identify the receiver. I think it's better to go with an Alshon Jeffrey, Terrell Pryor, get a veteran. They've done it with Lee Evans. They did it with Anquan Bolton. They did it with Steve Smith. I think the Ravens need to attack a, the veteran group rather than the draft. Perriman made progress as the year went on. they got to get a veteran to make up for the loss of Steve Smith. All right, one last question here before we got to kick Mel out. He's got a busy day today. Um, Mark Jones at GoHeels252. Todd, would the Panthers be better served? I'm trying to help Cam Newton out here. That's his theory. Would the Panthers be better served reaching for that offensive lineman or taking a top-flight running back, I guess, like a Fournette or a Dalvin Cook there at number eight? I would take the – nine times out of ten, I'm going to say take the better player. And I don't think right now, looking, seeing what I've seen, that it's close. If you have Fournette, Dalvin Cook, you're talking about two elite players – for an offense that, that likes to run the football, can be very effective running the football, can, that can help protect Cam Newton a little bit more, give that offense a little bit more balance. And, you know, you look at their, their situation at running back with the money that they've got tied up, and I, I just think that they're, it seems like they're due for a, a turnover at that running back position. And Fournette and Cook, to me, are elite players. We were talking about Ramchek and Robinson and, and Lamp and those guys are all kind of second tier. And based on rankings, bottom half of the first round type of players, when you can get a, a top 10 talent, I would, I would go with the top 10 talent every time, even though it's at the running back position. Well, we got through Mel's first mock draft of the year and a few of your questions as well. And I know Mel's got a hard out at 1045. I, my clock says 1044, which makes me an incredible host. Uh, and now Todd is so excited that we're going to be going to a weekly format here from the, from here on out until, uh, until golf season begins. Let's do it. He's pumped up. One other big note for Todd McShay, based on, uh, some of my recent surveillance work, I've found that a bunch of other companies are going to the two candy bar and one packaging approach. Basically stealing from Take Five. I just wanted to make that uh, announcement. I noticed it last no, night. It makes it, I mean, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup and Take Five are two of the greatest 
candies, chocolates, whatever you want to call them, of all time. And, and of course, why wouldn't you follow? Yeah, well, here's what happens. It's copycat league. Snickers jumps in, and I see right on the packaging, it said, in two, just save one for later. Come on. Yeah. Impossible. Don't be a pig and eat it all at once. Yep. Just have one now and maybe wait for after, after dinner. Well, I think on that important note, uh, we will hit the – Hey, Kuiper, I'll see you in Mobile, right? Mobile, break. Alabama? Yeah, he's the mayor. All right, perfect. But uh, we will be doing it again next week. Um, Senior Bowl coming up, Combine after that. I think we're uh, we're fully immersed now in draft season. Chris Sproul, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, Josh, the man with the plan. We'll uh, see you again soon. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.